Hey, welcome to another Mostly Skateboarding sticker commercial. I'm your host, Templeton Elliott, and I'm here once again to let you know that there's only one way in the whole wide world to get the new Mostly Skateboarding stickers, and that's by making a donation to the Kevin Wilkins Fund on GoFundMe. Kevin was a longtime editor at Transworld and went on to help found the Skateboard Mag, where he was Mike and my editor. He gave me my first writing job and now he's battling prostate cancer, so donate at least $10 to the Kevin Wilkins Fund, forward your receipt to mostlyskateboarding at gmail.com along with your mailing address, and I'll send you some stickers. Of course, you can find the link to donate in this week's show notes. Now, on to the show. Hey, welcome to the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Templeton Elliott, and I'm joined this week by Mike Munzenreiter and Jason from Frozen and Carbonite. This week, Clay Kreiner's new part had us all feeling delusional in our own special way. But first, we gotta wish Thrasher Magazine a happy birthday. The self-proclaimed Bible of skateboarding turns 40 this month. While other magazines have come and gone over the last 40 years, somehow Thrasher has stayed at or near the top. Now they are the dominant force in skateboarding. Jason, how has Thrasher stayed relevant for all these years? Cool name, cool logo. I guess uh, I think it would have been different if they called it skateboarding monthly or something, you know, skateboarder, skateboard, skateboarding, skateboarding quarterly. Well, that's all that's a whole nother thing. No one getting that. But um, yeah, like they didn't try to juice it too hard. Like Transworld, when the ad money got big, you know, they had a really defined like brand identity, you know, plus Phelps was for all his, you know, acting like a Cro-Magnon man or whatever. He was really like a good writer. I think so. Yeah, those those are a few main things. Mike, what do you think? Definitely on that point about Phelps, like it's always been kind of a literate, this is a stupid phrase, a literate magazine, just in that like there's been a focus on the writing as much as the photographs. Um, this might be me dredging up old beef with the barracks version of the skateboard mag, but they've never shied away from being an actual magazine as opposed to like a picture book um i'll probably get to it a little later on as as we get into the discussion more but like it's you know a a publishing entity you know they they do different magazines out of there and have done different magazines out of there slap juxtapose like you know it's a legit periodical coming out of a publishing house and they're kind of old school in that and i i think that does matter just in kind of the geez what's the what's the correct way to say that I just think it 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 comes through in, in legitimacy, I guess. Templeton, what do you think? Yeah, that that's kind of interesting that it's it does come from like a professional publishing publishing house. It, like you kind of think of Thrasher as like a a zine that got big somehow or something. But yeah, it's a legit magazine, and we said this on our Phelps episode a long time ago. Like it's a pro ass magazine, and you know like you can't you can't stick around that long without being good at what you do and for I'm all the, the hell rides and you know drugs and debauchery they managed to put out a really good magazine every month you know that's yeah, all it takes i guess what i i'll repeat what i talked over you like find a typo in there it's damn hard yeah that's probably why i never got a call from thrasher Shoot. certainly certainly a few typos managed to make their way onto the most to the um Definitely on the mostly skateboarding website, but uh, on the skateboard mag website too. Jason, you mentioned like it's been mostly relevant. What I was trying to say was like for a while in the '90s, like Slap was kind of like a cool zine. You know, Big Brother was just the craziest thing 
we'd ever seen. So for a while, like I was really checking for slap and bring big brother more. And then like in the mid to late nineties, trans world just had like the most content. Like when they came out with that, uh, issue with like the guy interview and the cost and you're like oh shit these guys are uh they're putting out some good content here you know, you know what i mean but then like they started having those ads like for like milk and like the marine corps and shit so that that kind of like diluted the whole thing i think that's when Tarsha started to become a little bit cooler or a little bit more for the culture and shit yeah like they kind of stayed the course while everybody else uh, like tried out all kinds of weird stuff and um i think also they they saw what worked for other people and brought that in you know i feel like the barracks was was hitting pretty hard and kind of taking a lot of clicks from other places so thrasher got their shit together they did yeah they built double rock started doing stuff there it started uh wrangling content for their website and not letting it end up on the barracks and now you know, they are the dominant force and the barracks is like, I, I've like not even seen a link to the barracks in ages. It's kind of an afterthought at this part, at this point, not that I, you know, follow it all that closely, but the rule of like, it'll bubble up to me if it's good. I mean, that sure isn't happening. Yeah, nothing's bubbled up, which is pretty wild considering where they were at, at a certain point, they were the most popular skateboard website on the internet. Yeah, that's weird. Like, yeah, when someone had a barracks part, it was like appointment viewing almost. Yeah, know, totally. At a, at a certain point, and now it's like all that shit and all that juice is gone to Thrasher pretty much. Yeah, I do wonder, kind of rewinding back to that, you know, mid-90s, that's the first time that I ever got a Thrasher. And even compared, you know, being like 13, 14, even compared to the trans world, there was something, I, I, I think that, you know, between convos on, on skate Twitter and elsewhere, like that 1995, let's say, because that's the year I started skating, like that does seem to be a low point for Thrasher in that it was really scattered and kind of random, which in hindsight is kind of cool because it would have these city profiles that frankly weren't that impressive, but it was cool in its own right. This is a long roundabout way to get to, I think, one big question is, like, did Phelps, did Jake Phelps really start turning around? Because I feel like 2003 was a big watershed kind of, that was the first year of King of the Road, I think. Was it Jake Phelps or was it Michael Burnett who really, I don't know, thrust Thrasher into its modern relevance? Well, King of the Road was a uh, Burnett idea, so it might have been Burnett. When did Jake Phelps become the editor at Thrasher? I think like early to mid nineties, probably. I think Kevin Thatcher was the might be wrong here, but I think I'm right. I think Kevin Thatcher was the editor until like nineteen ninety three or something and then Phelps was editor like after that. Yeah, ninety three is what it says yeah. in Wikipedia. We 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 gave Phelps's Wikipedia page hits at the same time. There we go. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think we can maybe credit Burnett with um kind of writing the ship, I guess. Yeah, and when when the whole uh like Thrasher hoodie like trend started, they kind of like stayed the course, didn't get too crazy with the uh, apparel shit. You know what I mean? Because they probably knew that that would be a temporary thing anyway. It seems like it's still going pretty hard. That was my thought. Yeah, I think they they have a very unique uh, position in that basically, like I think pros wear Thrasher gear in hopes that they'll be featured in or on Thrasher. And I think that 
there's very few clothing manufacturers that can do that, that can like incentivize people that way. So I, I think it's it's just a crazy position to be in. And I, I because of that, when I see pros wearing Thrasher gear, I'm like, that's a real like thirsty move. See, like especially tried- especially when they have a clothing sponsor. Like, wear your Ruka shirt, dude. Those are the ones who pay you to wear shirts. I'd rather wear Thrasher than Ruka. That is the most boring company on the face of the earth. But I thought, I thought it was RVCA. It's Ruka. They got the V. <laughs> Something about yeah. I, I it's it's a weird thing the the way that people wear Thrasher because I think they're super liberal with boxes. Right. And then you also wonder like who's the most trans world ass skater we can think of like. Did Chris Markovich ever have a cover of Transworld in a Transworld t-shirt? Like some cool mid-90s Transworld tee? It's like you, you got to have Mason Silva's on a Thrasher cover in a Thrasher tee. And it's like an ever tinier version of Mason Silva's on his own t-shirt, like going into <laughs> infinite repeating. It, it, it's, it's an insane phenomena. And... Um, I think part of what all makes it work so well is that it like Thrasher is about as an opaque institution besides Jake Phelps in this like outwardly almost <laughs> carnivalesque way of how he operated. Like it's super opaque. I mean, you know, it's all conjecture. So so many of the conversations that we have about this institution and skating. And I think that that is a, a big part of what makes it work. Say more about that. I don't, I don't. I don't think I quite follow. Do you mean just like we just don't know that much about the inner workings of Thrasher? Yeah, there's just like a mystique, I guess. There was the figurehead, and it doesn't. And like as much as Burnett is very personable, and from what I can tell in interviews that I read, like really cool, and he's doing really interesting stuff with the magazine. You know, in the year fourteen, sixteen months that he's been completely at the helm. I think we just, you know, we always wonder, like, okay, you know, voting for th- Sodi on the Thrasher website, you know, who's actually going to put their thumb on the scale and just make the call? Video stuff, mentions on the website, ad rates, you know, you, it, I guess without being on the, on a different level of skateboarding within the industry, you know, maybe that stuff is all easily knowable, but there's, it just seems like folks are tight-lipped about it, and there is a mystique, and I think that actually adds to the way that the magazine can be so successful and so influential. Yeah, I think you're right, and maybe some of that uh, mystique comes from uh, Thrasher's uh, ability and willingness to ban people. So, <laughs> you know, if you're if you're speaking out of turn, you could be punished, and if you're running a brand, that that punishment could have, like, real financial costs, or if you're you know, a pro skater who gets banned from the mag, then like your value as a pro skater has dropped significantly, especially at this point. So, you know, that's, that's how you can maintain mystique. What if Billy Pepper backside flipped into the, the sunset car wash? Could he get in through Thrasher in 2021? Maybe. Cause didn't he get, didn't he get banned? Cause he showed up with offices when one day and like just punch, punch uh, Phelps. Yes. Is that the le- legend? I mean, this is all a uh, conjecture here, allegedly. Well, I think that that like story anecdote is actually in like the 10 most hated skaters article that they ran, I don't know, 96, 97. 
I, I would imagine that many of the bans have been lifted or Bill Pepper is no longer a threat to society, so his ban has been lifted. Yeah, All like right. what's, the, what's the statute of limitations on a, on a thrasher ban? Is that... We don't never, know. No, no one knows. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I've said this before on this podcast, but like uh, high speed deluxe, and I mean this in the most complimentary, complimentary way possible, they're kind of run like, like a mafia organism. You know what I mean? Like uh, no the fellows are kind of like the bosses. Uh, Jim, Jim T is kind of like the um, like the underboss, like the uh, Michael Corleone, like Tony Soprano, like managing the day-to-day operations and shit, you know? So, I mean, yeah, it's cool. It's definitely like a, uh, like a family business kind of thing you know yeah yeah it's interesting how like deluxe and thrasher are uh so like intertwined i i was just thinking about like the origins of thrasher as fausto started and he's he's the the owner of independent trucks kind of the way transworld was started by the people who started tracker trucks so it's it's like the magazine is there to sell trucks larry balma shout out larry balma <laughs> big balma there's a there's an article I first read it on dansworldskateboarding.com in like 1996. I think it's a SF Gate. Is that the name of the newspaper or is that the website? Anyways, it's um, you know San Francisco newspaper profiling the skateboard industry, but it gets into well the basic fact that you know the two dominant magazines at the time were started as just arms of you know distributors and truck manufacturers. I think that remains one of the funniest things about skateboard media publishing to this day that um, the most durable good in skating is also responsible for for all the regs. Yeah, it's interesting that it's trucks that uh, that did it. I guess trucks probably take the biggest upfront investment. Like you can't fuck around and just order, you know, I need, I'm going to start a truck company with, uh, <laughs> I need 500 trucks. You got to order it probably some pretty big big bulk orders at the foundry when you pour them trucks pour them trucks you have to operate or at least find a foundry i mean that's got to be a hell of a setup there just picturing the end of terminator no excuse me terminator t2 excuse me jeez yeah it'd be sick to have some uh some trucks with the liquid metal dude in them Terminator 5 T-1000 morphs into a gigantic skateboard truck. Yeah, a venture. Probably would awaken as a venture. T-5000, excuse me. I will say, so I interviewed Atiba Jefferson last year uh, for another thing, but I did at the end of it, seeing as how he was a Transworld guy and then a The Skateboard Meg guy and now a Thrasher guy who just had a cover, I think on the 40th anniversary issue with guy mariano you know he shot that cover i asked him just straight up like is it weird at all working for thrasher you know what what with all the other publications that he'd work for and he was like nah man it is insanely great and i think some of that goes back to just the fact that they are an old school magazine and frankly you know the top of the heap because they're the only magazine in the game that you know in the u.s really matters and uh I will say too, just in like personal experience wise, when my buddy, my friend CJ Tambernino, a skater from the Twin Cities, he died, I think three years ago now. I got in touch with managing editor Michael Sieben about getting, you know, one of, frankly, there's all too, too many of those pages near the back of the book where 
you know, you have the one one or two page memorial to skaters who've died. And, you know, working with Sieben, trying to coordinate with a local photog, trying to come up with some words like pretty close to their deadline. They made it happen. And um, I do have like a great deal of respect for the magazine, even though I also have fun, uh, frankly, making fun of the Thrasher voice every now and then because it is this crazy Mad Libs on social media and in captions and, you know, they, they balance the the ridiculousness of being a skateboard magazine that tries to speak to like 16 year olds with being an actual like document that matters to this culture in incredible ways and also frankly gives back to the culture that I really respect. Yeah, it seems like an interesting like needle to thread, you know, like appealing to the 16-year-old skater who maybe is going to be a skater for three or four years and then also being the, um, you know, self-proclaimed Bible of skateboarding and the one who's like carrying the scrolls, you know, for skateboarding. You know, they are the document, the, the Rosetta Stone, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> How many uh, analogies can I come up with at once? But yeah, it's it's got to be a, an interesting balance to strike there. Yeah, I mean, uh, even though I think in the last couple of years, like back to like uh, documenting the culture and stuff, like Burnett has like come up with some really cool features. You know, what I mean, like uh, the uh, thing about African American skaters, like the cover last year with all the like, all the black skaters was that was oh huge. Oh my god! Yeah, that was that, awesome. That was an that, incredible issue. Yeah, yeah, that was a moment. Like he did that. The thing about uh, substance abuse. Yep. A feature or even like the feature recently where it was like skateboarding couples, you know what I mean? Just stuff like that is like kind of cool or different. I wouldn't probably wouldn't have uh, flown in uh, the 90s or whatever, or like the late 80s, you know? Yeah. Also, the people they have known article is always super good. Yeah, it's yes. good. But, yeah. My, but my favorite feature over the years, uh, envelope of the month. Without <laughs> you ever sent one in? No, I'm I'm not I'm not an artist like that. You know what I mean? I'm not a visual artist. I'm more of a uh, like a wordsmith. So it's really it's really not it's really not my lane. But it's it's definitely something to look forward to every month. Envelope of the month for sure. You're gonna have to collaborate with somebody. You write the letter, they do the the envelope. Yeah, yeah, something like that. I still they came out with a coffee table book, right? With all the envelopes of the month. Yeah, still gotta get that shit. Damn it. Templeton, send them a collage envelope. Yeah, I need to yeah, get my I'll, hands on a yeah, bunch of vintage hot. thrashers, and then I could could Ooh. get something going, maybe. So since we're talking about getting in the mag, um, I do have to say that I am published in Thrasher magazine. Unfortunately, one time it was eulogizing a friend who died, but in... When would it have been? Jesus. Could have been 2004, 2005. I wrote my buddy Chris Thatcher's Brain Floss. Wait, is that the... That's Transworld. That's the Transworld. Canvas. I wrote, let's say, 47 words about my buddy Chris Thatcher for his canvas. Hey, but you still, you're still on the masthead contributing writer. I, think, I, I don't know if I got a masthead mention, but I also don't have that in my Twitter bio, so I got to step yeah. up my game. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty rad. I, I always kind of like wondered... Like if if Thrasher had tried to poach me from the skateboard mag, like <laughs> would I go? Almost certainly I would have. I'm sure they would have had more money to throw in my direction, maybe. But I always I always kind of like was trying to beat Thrasher with with my contributions to the skateboard mag on the website. Like I was always like, I want to get the news out first, find the most interesting weird shit that nobody else is finding, 
And I, I always kind of hope that Thrasher would notice. I don't know if they did. I like that, though. I, I do, you know, I do wonder when... Uh, I shouldn't speak out of turn. I'm not sure how much the, the news feed on Thrasher nowadays is pay-to-play or, you know, how that works. Yeah, I always wonder about that, too. But, yeah, some, uh, I guess I don't go there to find new obscure shit or anything that's that's going to be off the beaten path. Yeah, it's it's funny. I always felt like a lot of the skateboard magazines, because what, you know, what were we both doing the skateboard mag in like 2006, 2007-ish, that for seems sure right. by 2008? Like, it, it seemed, it, it's funny that it's not that long ago. Of course, it is a long time ago in skateboard terms that there were so many lanes. It seemed like there was, you know, enough to go around in a way that made it less competitive, maybe in my mind, because I wasn't doing day-to-day stuff. You know, the the mag had its unique voice in terms of who wrote it and who edited it. Shout out Wilkins. But yeah, that's that's an interesting thing you bring up, Templeton. Yeah, I always had like a little bit of, I don't want to say beef, but just like competitiveness towards Thrasher. Like to this day, I won't wear Thrasher stuff. Just because that that part of me just won't won't die <laughs> you're old school man i love it i guess so what if you got a fat package i'm talking p-h-a-t capital p-h-a-t yeah i don't know like I, I again like this i'm like a weirdo who just like plays out situations in my head i don't know that's like a maybe a problem that i have but like i've imagined like what if i end up at the thrasher office and they're like hey yeah just like go grab whatever gear you want like, what would I grab? Would I grab anything? Like, you got to get some sweatpants. Yeah, I mean, nobody would really see me in the sweatpants, so that yeah, might work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually got some Thrasher playing cards when I was like psyched on learning how to play poker or whatever. <laughs> that would be pretty That's sick. Rad. It's a good one for the, for the airplane. Yeah, 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 know yeah. That you skate subtly. Yeah, yeah, it's the whole thing. And um, oh, by the way, back to um, the opacity of the whole operation. There's a and like the 40th anniversary issue, like the one with Cardi on the cover, they give you like a tour of the offices. Oh, word. Cool. I should correct myself then saying Atiba had the 40th anniversary cover. He did not. Man, I like, I let my Thrasher subscription lapse because I just felt like it came so late. You know, like it came usually like a week before the new cover would hit Instagram. Oh, yeah. They, yeah. Yeah. That's like mine. Well, I mean, the post office is, like, fucked up now. But, yeah, I usually get it, like, end, like, the last day of the month. And then someone, like, posts a new cover, like, a week later. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's part for the course. Yeah, I know the skateboard mag was kind of the same way. But I, like, yeah. I guess that that's just, like, how magazines work. And I've always felt, like, you know, I pay to get this magazine every month. Like, I'm a loyal subscriber. Like, I should, I should get first dibs. I would wonder, even before the postal service was actively sabotaged by our government if periodical mailings get lower priority i think that's kind of what it is because because it's cheap as hell yeah like with the skateboard mag i had like a a normal subscription and then i like complained to wilkins like hey like i get the mag so late and they gave me like a skate shop subscription which you get like a package of three magazines with the minimum and then that came like right when the mag came out so it's something mm-hmm. with like the distribution and the like how how it's classified but i still just didn't like that so i let i let it lapse are, are you guys subscribers oh yeah yeah i am like yeah it's a good value man like fuck it they give you it's like 17 bucks they give you a t-shirt I usually give it to my kids or my ex-wife or whatever every year so 
you know, pretty good value for the content. Yeah, that's a good point. 17 bucks towards Thrasher is probably... I'm sure I get $17 worth of value out of Thrasher just on stuff to talk about for this podcast. No doubt. Yeah, I think it's 25 maybe for the two-year subscription. At least that's, uh, that's how much it was when I got it. I don't think I got a t-shirt, though. But I definitely, you know, when when they were very willing and helpful in publishing a eulogy for my friend, I tried to, you know, pay that back around by getting a two-year subscription, though it has lapsed. And uh, I think I, I, I now need to re-up just because, you know, it's more... It probably is more relevant than ever, just in terms of, like, the interesting stuff they're doing. Uh, so, yeah, Thrasher Circulation Department. You'll be hearing from me. Yeah, I think I'm going to re-up. Dang. Here we go. Speaking of everything that Thrasher gives us for the podcast, uh, the transitionally inclined Clay Kreiner hit us with his delusional part this week on the Thrasher website, uh, which was some straight-up stuntman shit. Listeners, I'm sure you know my feelings. Mike, as the only podcast member who can actually do a pivot to fakey, how'd this one hit for you? Hit pretty well. And I will say that uh, the part is called delusional. You kind of made it sound like it was a delusional part, Templeton. Oh, sorry. But um, <laughs> no, it, it, it was good. I legitimately, for a second, though, like I, I kept seeing the like previews for the part. I'm like, follow this guy. I think I follow this guy. Uh, no, I do not follow Kreiner on Instagram. And there is like a, a factor of no matter how good some of these new Bert and or concrete park, just, you know, large transition. There's kind of, they're, they're definitely a new breed, like Jimmy Wilkins, Clay Kreiner. It's hard to differentiate them. That said, I'm pretty sure this is like the peak of evolution for like park concrete stuff. He does all that padless. I think the part is largely padless with some knee pads and maybe a helmet here or there, but big flip pivot on a very large wall, a lot of flip tricks. It's really cool. What do you guys think? Maybe maybe Jason before Templeton. <laughs> I'll let Jason take crack at it first. Well, well, yeah, it's funny. This part had a lot of juice this week, just in terms of like people talking about it on skate Twitter and stuff. They're like, oh, it's vert part, blah, blah, blah. But like, there's only like one vert line on an actual, according to Hoyle, vert ramp. The other stuff is like mega ramp, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, it's basically like a, a park part, a concrete park part. But yeah, for what he's doing, it's fucking nuts. Like doing like 360 flip, like... First of all, the mechanics of doing a 360 flip on a mega ramp are, like, inconceivable, probably. Like, he like, kicks his back leg out real far and stuff. Yeah, the tweak and, on like, it was like, wild. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to tell because it was in slow motion with for the first one. But, yeah, that was crazy. Funny thing, yeah, the music, I don't know if the music really fit, like, gnarly uh, pushing the limits, park skating. Like, funny thing, I was watching it, getting ready for this podcast, and my son comes in, and he's like, this music sucks. <laughs> so I was like, all right. I was like, all right. It's uh, not really what I listen to uh, in my spare time, but whatever. It's like, I don't really like, I'm not really picky about music these days because of legal stuff or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, the, the street tricks though. Uh, yeah. That, that they probably could have left that out. Like full, fully not, agree on that one. Like, I actually like the double 360 flip. I thought I thought that was cool. That's that's a cool one to pull out. But uh, 
yeah, Nolly big spin down some stairs, and you know, um, could have could have cut that. And like, yeah, I was just thinking, like, it's a uh, you'll you probably won't see like a Danny and Colin. I mean, you might like ever again because they were super relevant and progressive on both Vert and Street, which which is nuts. Yeah, I, I don't know about you won't see another Danny and Colin. I mean, there's there's like um, Grant Taylor. Oski skates a little bit of street. Zion, yeah, Zion is like a fucking animal on every yeah, yeah, every yeah. possible terrain. I I think that it's harder to break ground now than back then. Oh yeah, yeah, true. Because back then every every trick was like MVD or whatever. You know what I mean? I I think of Colin McKay and how recently, like a fort. I don't know, dozen year old backside tail slide kickflip fakey on a vert ramp made the rounds on Instagram and maybe even Twitter a little bit. Like it was a brand new trick. Just like, Oh shit. Colin McKay did what? Like, yeah, it seems, I mean, it, it seems like it's impossible for someone else to come and do that type of groundbreaking stuff until someone just does come and do it because it, you know, they're going to have to do stuff that's outside of our realm of understanding. Do like this, clay kreiner part because it's it it has elevated the concrete park skating past i don't know just like doing a high tweaked backside air you know like like the crazy frontside air transfer the whole concrete park pro that's my whole game thing like seems like it's a weird kind of like half evolved skater in terms of Danny and Colin did so much stuff prior. Um, shit, where's my note on this? <laughs> yeah, I guess it's just there's a lot of dudes that skate concrete parks and they look cool, but they're not doing anything progressive in terms of pushing that. Fuck, what am I trying to say, you guys? I, I don't know, because I, I think that for me, I would rather, I mean, this is like the bottom, scraping the bottom of the barrel for skate content, but I would rather see somebody like doing cool basics in a skate park than doing progressive stuff in a skate park for me skate park is the last thing i want to see in skateboarding watching this i was like oh this like vert stuff looks pretty cool like i'm down for the skater built stuff but like the municipal skate park it just takes all the fun out of it somehow well well yeah because what you're looking at is just a gray expanse you know what i mean there's not nothing that kind of grabs your eye yeah, it's like a gray expanse built for what they're doing. There's no adventure. There's no creativity. It's just like it's just like a baseball diamond or whatever, like soccer field. It's just yeah, it's just sport. It's a, it, it's a playground, a concrete one. Yeah, built for skateboard. But uh, well, there's some pool shit. I mean, like he does some uh, pretty wild stuff in pool. Like it's like a five forty or something. Yeah, yeah, that kickflip, kick flip, backside kickflip. Yeah. That was a, a wild catch that was not uh, uh, to my liking, we'll say. Ah. I want to just make it clear so that I've been trying to figure out what to even call it. He does a kickflip 540, but he spins probably once before grabbing the board, and the board doesn't spin. So, you know, technically it's probably not just a kickflip 540, but he does it at one of those DIY spots. You'd rather watch just something like... You'd rather watch a method air of the same height than that crazy kickflip maneuver Templeton. Totally. Yeah. 
like I just get confused with like the flipping and the spinning. Like I, I just like I had to watch the ender a few times to even just figure out what it was. It was 900, I think. I'm like still not even totally sure. But like I've always felt that way about snowboarding too. It's just like once you start spinning past like 540, it's just boring. Right. Yeah. The the alley oop nine, as they say. Is that what that was? <laughs> it was the alley alley oop nine, bro. But uh, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I, for me, like my favorite verb part is uh, Chris Miller in Now and Later because he does a bunch of cool, like super tweaked out airs. You know what I mean? That shit is cool to watch, and he does a bunch of cool lip tricks as well, like uh, hurricane. You know, like sugar canes, sugar canes, and hurricanes. I think. But yeah, to me, like that's the cool thing about verse skating. Like, if if he would just film like a straight up vert part. And just do like at least some cool tweaked out airs. Like I like the kickflip McTwist. That was that's cool, or whatever. Was it a McTwist or a five forty? I don't know. Doesn't the McTwist have to be like inverted or something? Like a five forty is so, like a yeah. flat spin, and the McTwist. Yeah, McTwist, there's a, a third McTwist axis. Do. And I think you got to grab yeah. mute Japan for the McTwist yeah. if we're yeah. if think, we're being thinking about um, that time I did a McTwist. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like uh yeah it's like a flip or whatever yeah that that shit is cool i like i like the flip tricks on vert like but yeah just kind of mix it up put like some cool tweaked out airs you know what i mean even on like a mega ram shit would be cool like a 15 foot like tweaked out japan you know what i mean like like danny way style or whatever yeah or just like a huge no grab backside ollie i think jimmy wilkins does those and that looks yeah. fucking cool you know like i look yeah, i watch that and i'm like like i can identify with that a little bit better and i'm like god what would that feel like you know i've done a backside ollie below the coping and that feels fun like i can't imagine being 20 feet over the coping and how cool that would feel yeah that that shit is cool but i think park is like this brand's lane pretty much don't they sponsor just a bunch of like park rippers or whatever yeah, i legit don't know who he rides for except maybe independent because he had a independent shirt on yeah, he rides for Madness, which is Dwindle's skate park company, hmm. which to me is, like, um, terrible. Uh, <laughs> like, if I see Madness it referenced in a video, like, I won't watch it. I try to avoid the pre-roll videos. I just, it's just bad. I don't like it. I don't oh, want wait, it. Even though, even though you avoid them, did you see the ad for uh, Grip Grooves? They came out with Grip Grooves. The hella grip grooves. It's like I guess I'm just. This is just from like the ad that plays before the video. It's like kind of like these. Like it's like you took a divot and cut like a bunch of grooves in the board. I I guess ostensibly to help you do grabs and shit. Hmm. We're know. thinking really like you almost need to leave that silence because we're just left speechless. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's hard. To, it's kind of like you know some boards have like wheel wells. Yeah. Of, Shapeboards or whatever, it's kind of like that, except they're just like like for your hands, like grip grooves. Yeah, 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 yeah. There, it's a groove, so you can grip the board when you're doing um, a mid twist or whatever. I mean, wh- whatever helps you sell sell more boards. Dang, dude, I'm glad I don't work in a shop because like I <laughs> boot the little shit that come. <laughs> Yo, man, you got any grip groove boards? Oh, shit. <laughs> Pity every guy who has to deal with that, he or she. When you first said grip grooves, I was thinking like the top, and there were some kind of grooves yeah. for your grip tape, like the like the 
the main top ply was like lower and there was like a lip around the the board oh, to like whoa. contain the that's grip tape good, somehow. That's a good I think you got a million million dollar idea there. You should write that down. Well but, Jim listens, so he's probably uh <laughs> gonna be on it. I was wondering if it was like some new age rip grip. Grip grooves, rip grip, you know? Oh yeah. Same words involved in both. Yeah, when a rip grip comeback could be um imminent, really. Well you well you put the rip grip in your grip grooves and <laughs> Oh yeah, you can slide. Your shit is solid. Yeah, you can still slide when you've got the rip grip in the grip groove. <laughs> this this is great. I wanna figure out like what's the most buck grip groove. Like, yeah, I need I need I need a I need a grip groove for only stale fishes. You got that board? <laughs> I only want it heel side, way in the middle too. I tweak my shit. <laughs> you could oh, have wait, like wait. pro pro grip grooves. Like everybody's got their their pro model grip set up for all Wade their particular Wade Spayer's hand, like a replica of his hand. <laughs> I was just thinking everybody has their where they like to grab, so the grooves would correspond with that. Dang, dude. Alan, Alan Peterson and Heath Kirchhart with the same one for the backside 360 nose grab. Oh, yeah, the nose groove. Now now I'm going to go look up all the grip groove decks after the, after the podcast. But, you guys uh, know it's in the show notes. Oh, yeah. But wait, we haven't talked about like the funniest thing in this video. When, oh, uh, my God. His homie, when Are we his talking homie gives, tricks for Trulies? Yeah, when his homie gives him a six-pack of Trulies after he does that. Uh, Only a sixer? I think that was a... They come in like a weird cube. I think it was only a sixer. Dang. But, yeah, he's like, here you go, dude. These are all for you. And it's, and it's like a six-pack of Trulies. Like was it a variety pack, pack even? <laughs> Maybe, yeah. They, they do have the variety pack. But that's funny because you think vert skaters, you know, like Jeff Kendall had the Jaeger Meister board or whatever. You know, you think they're gnarly drinkers and partiers or whatever. And... uh yeah, it gives them a, a six pack of a nice like hard seltzer. Those come in skinny cans too. Yeah, it's a so, it's a whole new breed of that, transition. That's what, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, kids. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Kids these days, like it's a whole new. Yeah, exactly. It's a whole new breed, whole new thing. Maybe as a maybe as there's like a sponsorship deal or whatever. Dang, that would be tight actually. Just in concept, mostly. Right, I'm I'm concepting the truly sponsorship, and it sounds seems pretty cool. Yeah, because like vert skaters have all these crazy sponsors that uh, street skaters don't usually have or get or want, whatever. So yeah, <laughs> I, w- I would I wouldn't be surprised if, if that's a sponsor. But he does have the Rockstar Energy sticker. Mm. So then then you're in a dangerous area because you get all hyped up on on the Rockstar Energy. Then you pound a few Trulies. Then you're uh, then you're feeling good. That's how you power that 900. <laughs> You're like, all right, I'm ready. I'm, re- I'm ready for the alley-oop nine. Let's go. Alley-oop nine. Let's get spun. <laughs> I wonder if, like, would an energy drink sponsor, E, get angry about an alcoholic drink sponsor, A? You know, and those are two different sectors, A and E. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like that's a, you've got an agent at that point, and they'll, they'll handle everything. They'll figure that out, right. Is he, uh, by the way, is, is Clay Krenner on the Olympic team? The I name Nigel doesn't was. sound familiar. Do they have a separate team for park or what? I kind of don't think so. I think they do. Nigel's not going to skate the park. 
you know? Nah, he'll like uh, there's he'll like run and like you know jump onto the deck to go skate a rail, but there is no rail. I was gonna say men's park Olympic USA skateboard team: Zion Wright, Alex Sorgente, Tom Shar, Tristan Rennie. I have never seen his name before, so it's R E N N I E. Oh yeah, that Tom that Tom Shar kid's wild. Indeed. Well. I'm stoked we never have to talk about madness again on this podcast. Uh, which <laughs> grip brings us, grooves. <laughs> and uh, we we may talk about grip grooves like again. We're gonna we're gonna get sent a box of grip grooves. Dude, maybe you could make a grip groover, which would just be a power tool that you could custom grip groove your own board. Well, yeah. What do you, what do you call that tool? Like a divot or something that uh, it's like a U shape. It's like a a router driver. Yeah, a router. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, route route your own grip grooves. I might go do that after the podcast. Uh, since I called it up, apropos of bringing up the Olympics, the women's street team, and I suppose yeah, is pretty sick. Leo Baker, Alexis Sablone, Jen Soto, Mariah Duran. For oh, the yeah. record, Mariah Duran rips. Look, Jaeger yeah, is on the men's street team along with Christopher Jocelyn, Louis Lopez, and Nija. Louis I feel like your oh. list might be a little bit out of date because I feel like Louis Lopez wasn't on the team. I don't know. I mean, I'm on I'm on boardworld.com.au. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go to usaskateboarding.com and see what they have to say. Uh, that's a Transworld site. Someone oh God, text this... Friedberg. God, this is so strange. Just so many completely unfamiliar names. USA Skateboarding National Team Women's Park. Jordan Barrett, Ariana Carmona, Jordan Santana, Nina Stess, Bryce Wetstein, Brighton Zuner. Uh, that's the women's park of whom I've heard of one of them. Sorry, I got lost in the sauce here. Um, well, um, thanks for not hitting the verb button on this section of the podcast, everyone. <laughs> yes. Yeah, stoked you uh, stuck around for our conversation which brings us to the end of our show, where we talk about what we're stoked on. Mike, what are you stoked on this week? I am stoked on probably two things. One is really random, but I bought a couple of racquetballs, and my basement is unfinished. I've got a wall, and me and my four-year-old daughter have, for the past four nights now, played... Shoot, I forget what she calls it. We have bounced racquetballs off the wall, throwing them pretty much as hard as we can. And um, as a parent in the winter in Minnesota, getting half an hour out of bouncing racquetballs off the wall with my kid after work when I pick her up from daycare is incredible because it's about as much fun as I've been able to find for a kid who normally just wants to like eat and zone out. It's, it's normally her screen time after school. So I'm pretty stoked on that. Otherwise, uh, the actual news hook or kind of the, the thing that reminded us that it's 40 years of Thrasher today was a pretty rad national public radio story about Thrasher and uh, its 40th anniversary. I'm trying to look up the name of the guy who reported the story because it was pretty rad. It's like I was watching, listening to it earlier. It's like David Guevara or something. Yeah, I got to find Burnett. I actually tried to send him a DM on Instagram. I found his IG page based on Burnett posting about it. The dude does skate. 
well-reported story with Mike Carroll, Alexis Sablone. He talks to Ativa. He talks to Burnett. Yeah, his name's Milton Guevara. Yeah, Milton Guevara Jr. He's, uh, he's, he's definitely got some IG posts skating a fountain, skating some flat ground. Mike Carroll on National Public Radio, NPR. It's always a trip to hear the uh, coolest street skater ever speak. Yeah, highly recommend that story. Alexis had a great line just about, I don't know, it's always weird. And it, I think it's been ground, in the, ground into the ground hearing people try to describe skateboarding and looking at spots different. But Sablone said something along the lines of, you know, you're obsessed with doing this thing that's in your head and like you can't not do it. And I definitely was trying a trick on New Year's Day where I got in, you know, I got past the 60 minute mark on it. And I just started thinking, like, what if I don't land this? How will I how will I like put on my boots and go home because I'm almost exhausted? Like, how will how will I break out of this craze? Uh, So listen to the NPR story about Thrasher's 40th anniversary and Alexis Sablone's quote, which is way more put together and makes better sense than what I just said. Jason, what are you stoked on? Well, we talked about foundries earlier, and um, venture trucks are still being poured at the Ermaco Foundry in San Francisco, California, so uh, stoked on those. This is a couple weeks old, but um, I'm still stoked on it. I didn't mention it here. The Elas came out with an all uh, Hotel de Ville edit, and yeah, that's, it was totally in my wheelhouse. That's kind of skating that um, the most psyched on, so I was pretty hyped on that. Also psyched on uh, hockey, the sport. Not the board company. The board company is rad too, but uh, hockey, as in the NHL, started last night. And the Devils had their first game tonight. They lost in the shootout, but it's early in the season. can only get better because they were pretty shitty last year. So, yes, I picked on NHL starting this week. Uh, Templeton, what are you stoked on? Uh, I'm stoked on two things. The first one is an 18-minute documentary from The New Yorker. It's called Eddie's World. And it's a documentary about this old toy inventor. He His first invention was the classic wind-up chattering teeth. And he's just like an old retired dude who invents toys. And that seems like a pretty awesome life to me. You know, I, I was watching it and I was just like, fuck, I can't wait to be retired. <laughs> um, so that, that's like a really good watch. And then I am stoked on a book called Top of Mason, which was written by Walker Ryan, the pro skater. Uh, I got it in the mail the other day and hoping to dig into it maybe this weekend. Uh, but I'm an extremely slow reader, so don't expect any uh, reviews anytime soon. <laughs> yes, yeah, shout out that guy, man. Sitting down to write a book is uh, it's a lot. Yeah, quite an accomplishment. Yeah, so, yeah, seriously. Well, that's it for our show this week. Be sure to check out MostlySkateboarding.net for links to the things that we talked about and other show notes. Until next time, you can keep up with us all week online. Jason, where can the people find you? On the Twitter, at Carburite1994. On the Instagram, at Frozen Carbonite, And writing stuff for CornerTax.com. Mike, where can the people find you? I'm on Twitter and Instagram with the same handle, at M Munzenrider. And uh, you brought up Hotel DeVille. My French is shitty. In Lyon. Skate Twitter homie, Remy Martino. He mentioned that Lyon is like a top, just go there. Like if you've never been to France, skip Paris, go to Lyon. People are nicer. Food is better. 
That's the homie Remy. R accented E M I. Templeton, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, on the internet, you can find me at Mostly Skate on Twitter and on Instagram at Mostly Skateboarding. We'll see you guys next week. Later. During the filming of her most recent Thrasher video, she turned to New York streets into her playground. You're constantly like looking for skate spots in just your everyday environment. So it could be a street you've gone down a million times, but you always have like one eye out for something architecturally strange or something where you're like, that's skatable. There are so many ways to skate. After all, there are no rules in skateboarding. But what every skater has in common is an intimate knowledge of what it's like to slam into the ground. Trying something and falling and like bleeding and like getting up again and trying again. And it might require getting kicked out several times, going back, going back, going back, just to do this one thing that you got stuck in your head. And it becomes like this personal battle. It can be the most frustrating thing ever when it's not going well, and that happens a lot. Or it can be the thing that feels the best.